Mr. Speaker. Right, it's that time again, 8.30 here on Radio 191 FM. It's time for politics, as always, joined by John Moore and this morning's special guest, Peyton Bond, a uh, master's student of politics here at Otago University. But uh, you're American. Morena to you both. Morena. Morena, hello. hello. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, welcome to the show. Right, uh, of course, it's midterms. The midterms in the States, they happen midweek. Uh, and, you know... At stake, uh, control of the lower and upper houses of the legislative branch of the U.S. government. Um, the entire House of Representatives was up for grabs uh, and a few of the seats within Congress. But also, of course, state government posts uh, like governorships uh, and the very important state legislature, uh, legislature um, which I guess doesn't really get much airtime here in New Zealand uh, except around things like, well, I guess, North Carolina three or four years ago with transgender issues of toilets mm. uh, and the like. Uh, and also a lot of other things, like um, the one thing I was mentioning to you before that I'm really happy about, uh, Kim Davies, uh, the county clerk that refused the, the uh, marriage licence. Oh, yes. Uh, she, yeah, she's gone, and I was so happy to see that. It was great. Uh, and there's a lot of other things, like referenda on um, daylight savings in California, for example, um, which they're just keeping year-round now, so it's not even a thing. Mm. Um, but a lot goes on, John. Yes, uh, on the face of it, they were quite boring elections in some ways. N- not not anywhere near the sort of controversy when Trump was elected to power. Um, uh, so, as was expected, Democrats now uh, have control of the House of Representatives. Um, however, the Republicans have reca- regained control of the Senate and have actually increased their majority slightly. So that means things are going to get a bit more difficult for Trump. He's going to have an empowered opposition with the Democrats in the House that will be able to thwart his agenda. Um, but, however, uh, the Republicans maintaining control of the Senate is, is definitely a plus for um, Trump. And uh, say, so if we have any uh, uh, Supreme Court judges uh, uh, pass away in the next year or two, um, then Trump again could get one of his nominees through. Um, and that, that would certainly embolden his base and would, um, I think, would increase his chances of being re-elected as president. Mm. So, yes. Uh, uh, yes, Gary. But it's interesting to see, you know, we, we, everybody kind of knows where we lie, uh, me and John, uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm assuming, uh, I'm going to make an assumption on, on you, considering you just said that's scary. Um, but it's, it's interesting because, you know, you look at 2010, um, you know, um, when the Democrats lost the House. Um, you know, and, and, and everybody on the right was like, yes, we can stop, you know, Obama and his walk-on thing. You know, it's interesting. That's how it goes. Uh, everyone's really excited about it. You're going to be able to stop what this evil person's doing. But, I mean, it's so detrimental to the United States. We see government shutdowns just, you know, five hours away or 30 minutes away. Um, a lot of good stuff can't get done as well because, um, you know, if... United States with one bill can contain so many different things and no one reads the entire bill and there's all this stuff going on so uh, even though you you have Democrats rejoicing um, 
the what it kind of means for the government uh, Peyton is that perhaps it's sti- it's going to stymie a lot of things isn't it yeah I think that everybody got excited at first because you know the house can start the impeachment process mm-hmm. and everyone was really kind of <laughs> on board with that um, but I highly doubt that we're going to actually see anything like mm-hmm. that yeah. um, I think that they're just going to be working to kind of gridlock for the next couple years yeah um, and trying to kind of capitalize on the momentum that they had, like with Beto O'Rourke um, and also Andrew Gillum in Florida. Yes. Um, that kind of like real excitement around them. And even Stacey Abrams in Georgia as well. Oh. And even though they w- didn't end up being successful, um, I think they're just going to have to kind of try to stop everything for the next two years. So I think we are looking at like government shutdowns and major yeah. gridlock and nothing getting done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As, as, yeah, as, as usual. But also, like, I mean, that was amazing in those Senate races. But also, when it comes to the House, like I said, you know, um, the Democrats lost the House to the Republicans in 2010, but Obama still got re-elected. Mm. It doesn't really, it doesn't necessarily signal the fact um, Trump losing the next election, does it? Yeah, well, I saw saw something that now Trump can, um, I'm not sure which article that was, but um, that Trump can now blame everything on the Democrats. (laughs) Oh, well, the reason I'm not getting anything done is because I have the House against me, rather than kind of, you know, people are like, you're not getting anything done, and he doesn't have someone to blame besides himself. He always finds someone, though, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, but uh, uh, anyway... um, it is it, it's such a weird system the political system in the states and that's why n- no other real nation on earth does it <laughs> um but what i mean what does it signal for you john what are you what are you reading into it all well I, the most interesting point for me is that trump's reliance on his usual rhetoric around immigration and race and crime so his racism and xenophobia didn't didn't work this time that he clearly lost some of his um previous supporters, people who had voted for Trump, um, and that uh, if there's a lesson for Trump to come out of this, it's that he has to grow his base, yeah. and he can't rely on his hardcore base, and he can't rely on those cultural issues of, um, yeah, of, of say, abortion, or uh, LGBT plus matters, transgender matters, and, and his racism and xenophobia. He has to um, perhaps concentrate more on economic issues, which certainly with um, him winning the presidency, uh, he was able to gain votes in, say, the Rust Belt amongst uh white working class people who had previously voted for Obama. Well, um, the, the economy is doing amazingly well right now, the United States government. It's growing at levels like never been seen before. It's like record growth over oh. a certain amount of quarters. It's oh. doing really well. And some political commentators are saying that it's, it's um, uh, to paraphrase Clinton, it's uh, not about the economy, stupid, anymore. <laughs> that, uh, that if it was about the economy, then um, the Republicans would be triumphant in yeah. both the House and the Senate. However, there's a, I guess there's a contradiction between what appears a very robust economy with incredibly low levels of unemployment and the fact that people's living standards are still stagnant. Mm. The, pa- the fact that large um, num- numbers of working people don't feel uh, secure in their jobs anymore. That they, they don't feel they have a job for life. Uh, they're heavily in debt. So uh, 
credit has become very fluid again in America and people are heavily indebted and I think all those concerns, despite the so-called um, rosy economic figures, means that people are still voting along economic lines. And it was interesting that especially more left-leaning and populist Democrats did concentrate on issues of health care, of labour rights, mm. of um, tertiary education um, and you know some of the more hard-left candidates like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez about the state should um, should enact um, guaranteed jobs for all. So to me that shows that economic issues are still very important uh, despite on the face of it having a very uh, buoyant economy. Yeah, um, I mean we talk about this as if like um, you know people weren't listening to Trump's rhetoric but are we doing it the US civility, you know, um, people a dis- disservice here in, in saying that they weren't voting for their local representatives that were voting for Trump? Or were they, you know, were they actually in fact voting for localised issues? Well, because, so everyone's talking about the polarization that's happening now, Mm. Um, but it's interesting, I don't know if you guys have either watched the newsroom, um, the show, and they were talking, they're talking about like 2010, 2012, they're like, the country's more polarised than it's ever been, Mm. just thinking, Mm. you know, you just wait. (laughs) Um, But the fact of the matter, like some people, even if they aren't a Trump supporter, they're so unwilling to vote for the Democrat. Oh, yeah. Democrats in general, that they're not even, they won't even look at it. Mm. Um, and I you know I had this discussion with my dad all the time because um, he, he just, he won't vote for either one at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is. So who do you vote? Libertarian? Yeah, I think he just, he, he, he wouldn't tell me at first. But, um, <laughs> I got it out of him. <laughs> it would be an interesting Thanksgiving. Hey, smaller government. That's probably what we all want, really. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's all very interesting, but I, I think. I really think that a lot of people weren't necessarily voting for Trump on this one. I mean, I think, I know he's the he's the president, and 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 all that. But I think people were just voting for their representative. Mm -hmm. And I think to say that um, you know people weren't feeding into Trump's rhetoric, um, I think it does do a disjustice to the average voter. I don't think they're necessarily focused on the upper echelon of the. Of Parliament, they were, you know, were voting for like we do with David Clark. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some Republican candidates, for example, who distanced themselves from Trump, especially in regards to immigration issues. Um, however, I, I guess I would say it was for me it still was a referendum essentially on Trump's presidency. That he's um, all the media focus, well, both mainstream media and alternative media, all their focus in terms of the Republicans is on Trump and his presidency. Mm. And yeah, it's interesting how many uh, Republican candidates and congressmen, congress woman have actually buckled uh, and, and, and gone along with Trump's agenda, even though um, a lot of the agenda just uh, is, is in, in blatant um, sort of contrast with traditional Republican values. So the Republicans generally support free trade, for example. Um, um, Trump is a protectionist. Um, but the majority of Congress has gone along with his uh, protectionist agenda. Um, yeah, and, and um, I guess the, the Christian issue is interesting because, uh, yes, certainly the Republicans have captured that more conservative fundamentalist stream of uh Christian radicalism in America, um, and, and Trump has been able to gain support from that, that sector, but Trump is hardly a, a, a 
good <laughs> oh, yeah. moral Christian. Well, they think he is. Uh, but I don't know if they do. I don't know they do. I say it's, it's complete I've opportunism. <laughs> they, they just think, uh, okay, uh, who cares if he's a Christian or not, but he's going to get our nominees into the Supreme but Court, they, which is going to block abortion. Him. They're forgiving <laughs> him for his transgression, well, for his yeah. past sins. But I'll put it to you once again, like I just said, <laughs> Democrats lost the House in 2010. Mm. And they had, and it was like that during a lot of Obama's presidency. And that was before the second election. And he still got in. Mm. You know, oh, yeah, Trump. Absolutely, he could get back in. So I, um, I don't think they're yeah. necessarily the, the the Republicans might have lost the House because of him, and that means it spells mm. damage for him in the future. I think if they put up Clinton, and Hillary Clinton has indicated that she yeah, uh, de- definitely wants or wanted the presidency, and she's <laughs> arrogant enough to, in my opinion, to stand again, and I think that would be disastrous for the Democrats, and it, and it would, I think it would lead to those left-right divisions within the Democrats coming more to the surface if, if Hillary was to be the candidate. Right, one thing for us, Peyton, I guess, is we don't really understand what the House and the Senate do. Can <laughs> yeah. you explain that? I brushed up on this a bit last night, um, <laughs> just to make sure. Um, but so basically, um, the House of Representatives has a huge amount more people mm-hmm. um, than the Senate, and the Senate is in control of pretty much the final decisions, from what I can tell, yeah. um, from what I remember from seventh grade. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but everybody got excited about the House because a they can start the impeachment process. They've got a bit more um, about the whole Mueller. Mueller investigation. Mm, I'm always mm. afraid of how I pronounce that, um, and etc. But and so we all kind of assumed that that's why he f- fired or Jeff Sessions resigned at his request um, was because he kind of wanted to get rid of those people around him that could possibly be investigated. Um, but I was reading last night that um, the Senate is since they're the ones that are able to confirm new people to his administration that it's actually it's just an easier time for him to replace it since they have more people in the Senate yeah, yeah. and the House would have nothing to do with that um, as well as like what we were talking about earlier with the federal judges being confirmed and mm. as of this morning RPGs yeah. in the hospital I don't know if you guys heard about what? that is she really three broken ribs she fell in her office yeah so I mean broken ribs you can come back for but you know everyone's donating the ribs and stuff. but uh, but you know I mean the fact that she broke ribs from a fall in an office means yeah it's she's not, getting old she's a little fragile, she's a little yeah. fragile. but she's so great she's like oh, my yeah. favourite yeah and she's doing the lift, lifting weights <laughs> with um, whatever comedian that was <laughs> stop lifting weights yeah just don't want to break any more ribs <laughs> don't take your chances put on some weight bit of padding like, yeah <laughs> oh, you'll be right um are we also seeing a signal in in, in some Americans shifting uh, well, views on a lot of things? I mean, we're seeing LGBT candidates getting in in, in record numbers. We're seeing uh, the first uh, Native American woman. Um, we're seeing um, like Muslims getting in in Texas, and and and, and all this like it's incredible mm. it's absolutely incredible because when we, what we think about America at the moment what we always see on the news is the complete opposite to that it's mm. nationalism it's white nationalism it's not necessarily nationalism mm. but it's white nationalism and and this totally rebukes that and you know and and, mm. and, and shows a totally different side so one I guess we're in New Zealand we see the really polarizing things on the news we hear about the that you know we don't mm-hmm. hear about this other good news stories. We're always hearing the bad shit. So, but you know, is that a uh, an actual true representation of how America is, and does that really show that that actual huge divide that exists? 
Yeah, well, I think, I mean, even though it does look good to see these first, I mean, it's still pretty shameful that, you know, Native American is in Congress for the first time in 2018, um, as well as um, the fact that, like, all the voter suppression in Georgia um, and everything that's going on, and you kind of want to know what it would be like without all of that. Mm, and yeah. um, Florida just, I think, just passed on the midterms, I think it was Amendment 4, but don't quote me on that, um, that they, like, felons can yeah. now vote, so that's 40% of that's black amazing. men in Florida. <coughs> yeah, because basically, you know, the system was created for white people to continue to be on top. 59% yeah. of white women voted for Ted Cruz, um, so there's a lot of people there that, you know, they're choosing their whiteness over their womanhood. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really um, interesting compared to the woman vote uh, um, nationally. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm consistently white women will continue to support the Republican candidates um, over, you know, Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum. Just because. Gross. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, re it's really disappointing. Um, but it, it makes sense because that's kind of how the, the system was built to benefit you know, the white men, and they continue to do that, yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. And so I think that's why some people also don't vote, because the system wasn't created for them, and they've been kind of frozen out of it, or the lines in mm -hmm. Georgia were, you know, hours and hours long, and a 12-year-old girl passed out from the heat in one of them because it wasn't air-conditioned, and turns out they had, like, 13 working voting machines locked up in a room somewhere yeah. in Georgia and not out. Um, so I understand, like, why people kind of given up, have given up on America a bit, and I think that just because we have a few first, we still have so far to go. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's not enough to kind of be satisfied with what happened the other day. Yeah, I mean the gerrymandering's <laughs> it's it's just crazy. The it's hard to even explain. <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's a weird name for some. Yeah, it, it just reminds me of Jerry Brownlee for some reason. Well, <laughs> both got Jerry in the, in the title, I guess. But um, I mean, you know, those missing power cords and um, just redrawing lines and and IDs and and the like. You know, I mean, uh, and addresses. So you you know, the, right then you're disenfranchising homeless people. Mm. You know, mm. you're instantly disenfranchising a lot of people, and and, and usually it's uh, poor minorities. Mm. I mean, major, um, yeah, minorities. Fact, I got that right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, now here's one for you, John, because I know you love this stuff. Um, a split in the Democratic Party. I mean, there's only two parties, right? Mm. So you're gonna have splits. You're gonna have lines all over the shop. There's gonna be moderates. There's gonna be extremes. There's gonna be everything. Yeah, there's always been factions in, in yeah. the two dominant parties. But what what's particularly interesting with the Democrats is that there's been this growth of a, a what could be called a far left um, in the Democrat Party and and a, a, a left um, that is is openly ch challenging the Democrat establishment, so challenging the Clintons, cl challenging Nancy Pelosi. Mm. Um, and, and it's interesting, a lot of these people who are more on the economic left uh, around the Democrat Socialists of America, which is um, would be the largest um, uh, socialist party in America. It's not strictly a party in the sense that it, it, it tends to work alongside what it sees as, as left-wing progressive candidates in the Democrat Party. And, for example, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, who's, I think, the youngest woman ever to be elected to Congress, uh, she's a member of the Democrat Socialists of America, as is Rashida Ta Tlaib, who's um, uh, most of the focus has been on the fact that she's of Palestinian descent and is Muslim, but she's also a member of the Democrat Socialists of America. 
So I think, um, yeah, there is this deep divide in the Democrats, um, and I think there's, there's possibly even, especially from the more establishment figures such as um, Nancy Pelosi and the Clintons, there's, there's both a dismissive attitude to this new left and the Democrats, if not even a bit of a, a hatred towards them. They just see them as, as, as nut jobs who are... Mm. Um, so... I think it's interesting, though, that when you talk about all this um, diversity that, that's coming out, um, which is obviously a very positive thing, it's coming purely from the Democrat Party itself. And the, the, the top establishment figures in the Democrat Party have certainly used identity politics and uh, diversity politics as a way to, to sort of differentiate themselves from the Republicans. But the cost of that is that they've basically lost this um, white working class vote, whereas the Democrats traditionally concentrate a lot on labour issues and mm. on issues of uh, economic inequality. Um, that's fallen by the wayside, and, and now it's more post-material issues around sexuality and gender and race, etc. Um, so it's interesting with this new far left, with people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib, that they're very much pushing not just economic issues, but class issues, especially Alexand Alexandria is pushing the idea that, that the, the Democrats need to use the idea of the working class as a, a unifying framework to, to bring um, both uh, white working class people and, and the very diverse working population that now exists in America together. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I find that quite fascinating. Is 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 the woke vote becoming really important in the South? I don't know what else to call it, but you know, are, are young people, do you think, you know, you always talk about this youth quake thing, but you, uh, and we expect to see it because we see, because I mean, we're all stuck online all the time and we see people with their opinions all the time and they seem like they care. Kids seem like they care, but I don't know if they really do, if they care enough to walk down the road to vote. Um, but do you, do you think, you know, maybe that's where this radical section of the Democrats, or the Democrats in the whole, do you think, you know, they see that it might be the future of the vote? You know, and that's it's, why they're it, going that way. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's important to state that with this sort of woke demographic about youth in America, that... Um, the idea that they're just concentrating on post-material issues such as um, issues around sexuality, etc. Um, on the face of it, that might appear right, but actually it's not true. So when we had, for example, Hillary Clinton um, and Bernie Sanders both um, contesting for the um, Democrat primaries, young people and young women who were Democrat supporters overwhelmingly supported Bernie Sanders. Mm. Overwhelmingly, because of the um, the, the, the economic and, and, and progressive issues he was pushing, yeah. and, and a lot of young women who identify as feminists, women's liberationists, were actually quite hostile to Hillary Clinton, who they saw very much as being part of the establishment. So it's interesting with this new woke demographic that that they are um, a, a large proportion of them are being attracted to more radical left wing ideas, and I, I believe polls have shown consistently that a majority of young people in America say that they um, prefer the idea of socialism to capitalism, mm. which is astounding in America, th where socialism mm. has been such a dirty word for decades. When it comes to Sanders, I think we were still kind of close enough to that bubble of the 99%, you know, and I think mm. that's probably faded now to some extent and being replaced by new movements. Yeah, I think so. True. true. Yeah. yeah. Um, record turnout. <laughs> 
but still very low. Yeah. <laughs> That's extremely low. 41, was that was that the right number? I think it was like 41%. Yeah, something like that. Um, Why yeah. don't Americans vote? Because it seems like a pot... You know, well, I guess, once again, we I live in New Zealand, right? So, I mean, mm. when I when I see things about America on television, a lot of it's either got to do with mass shootings or, you know, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not joking. No. That you, you know that's totally serious. Yeah. Um... Uh, or, or something to do with the government, you know, mm. be it Trump's government or Obama's, you know, every government's polarizing in some way, shape or form. But um, is it is that not the way on the ground over there? Like, do people really not care that much? Um, I'm not sure if it comes down to not caring entirely. Um, there is a degree of thinking that either... Is the, res- is, is the suppression that great? Yeah, well, I think that's part of it. But I also think, you know, the people that just continue to benefit from the system being the same or not even affecting them. I told someone back home that I was worried about the midterms and... They said, why? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean, why? It's <laughs> like, I'm very nervous. Because I'm a politics student, goddamn. <laughs> Just because I have to live there one day, I think. Um, uh, yeah, so I think that there's that part, that people that don't think they're going to be affected either way. So, you know, if they're, like, majority white people mm-hmm. um, living in majority white, perhaps rural areas that won't really see any large changes um, either way. Or there's people that are thinking that, those other people are voting, so it's going to stay the status quo. Um, but on top of that, I think that the the vote the problem is because it's so difficult to even register yeah. to vote. Um, I was, saw like kind of a little proposal. Someone's like, okay, when you get your first photo ID, like you should be registered to vote. Like that should just be an automatic. Um, but the process of voting and registering to vote is is complicated, even like no matter your education um so people who perhaps haven't been pushed to vote by their parents or by social media or what have you um it's it's a bit difficult to access mm-hmm. um and especially even with absentee that's what I, like <coughs> I did um but even that process used to be a lot more difficult it's gotten it's gotten a bit easier um but I did it for the 2016 election and this year was a lot easier which is good but I just think that that process needs to be streamlined mm-hmm. and and it varies um, from state to state. Do you think that, mm. that you need to get a federal system going on? I, I think... Because there is a federal overwatchdog mm. as well, right, when it comes to state things, and, and the states can mm. ask for federal help or yeah, systems. It's, it's interesting the way it kind of um, works and is manipulated by each other. Um, but also even just the fact that Election Day isn't a public holiday. Um, I yeah. Think, okay, in well, my yeah, state... Yeah, it was on a weekend. So. Yeah, I can only speak for my state, but the we the children had the day off for election day but then everybody didn't get it off from work so just which makes it difficult because then you have to find childcare because your your kids aren't in school so if you're you know a mom who has to stay home from work to take care of the kids you can't go and vote because polls might close at five or close yeah. at seven and you know <laughs> and that in itself is probably um some people you know is some people can afford to not work that day, mm. perhaps you know. Yeah. But the majority of once again poor minorities, it's yeah. not. It's not that way. Well, yeah, it just makes it a huge privilege to vote, which is not how yeah. it should be. Yeah. Um, it should just be you know completely accessible, so that you can get everybody's voices in. But that's completely. That's not, not what not they the want, case. right? Yes, yeah, so, and then once you get there, there's voter suppression. So it's just like yeah. you've yeah. gotten to the line and you've gotten off work and you've gotten your um, registration in, and 
then they tell you the line's four hours long. <laughs> I just don't understand how this can be a thing. It's fucking mental. Mm -hmm. um, all right, but sorry, we're running out of time. We're going to have to leave it there. I mean, there's probably so much more we could talk about. Um, but it's going to be interesting, really. It's going to be an interesting couple of years now that the House uh, is under democratic control. Um, will we see some bipartisanship? <laughs> or are we just going to see a stymied system? Um where um, they'll go for blood, but there won't let anything really happen. And we're going to have to see, um, you know, government shutdowns and the like, which um, mm. is terrible. Mm. I mean, America's infrastructure system is already fucking crumbling. And mm. when you have government shutdowns, and things like that just make it so much worse. And, mm. and in the long run, that's going to put America in more debt. Mm. And it's going to make things a lot mm. worse. So, be interesting to see what happens. But anyway, thank you so much for coming in. It's lovely to meet you, Peyton. Yes. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> and thank you, thank John. You, Peyton. Uh, see you Monday morning. Um, for sure.